This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It's Wednesday, July 27th. Thanks for hanging out with us here on Real Talk. Looking forward to the show today. Uh, quite frankly, I'm not looking forward to some of the conversations we're going to have because we've got to talk about some stuff that's just it, it just uh, it, it, there's a story that we're going to get to today. You've probably heard about it already. If not, it's it's not exactly our pleasure to put it on your radar. But this is uh, this is real life kind of a stuff. We've seen a, a brand an Alberta food brand basically bury itself in about 10 seconds uh, yesterday. I'm talking about Valbella Gourmet Foods. Chances are it's on your radar, but if not, I, I'm going to let you know. I will read an email that was sent by the the, the heir to this ownership group. The, the story of this business, as we understand it, it's been around for about 40 years, uh, founded by a, a family, still family owned, and now it's being run, as we understand it, by their son and daughter. Well, that is until last night. Uh, when an email went out from Jeff Von Rotz, whose uh, email signature indicated that he was the owner of the company, but his family has been quick to clarify by way of his sister in a really unfortunate position. She is that that he's no longer part of the company. They say, and, and by the way, he was never an owner. The parents are still the owner. This guy's the president, but it was a, a homophobic, transphobic, hate-driven email. And I'm going to read it in just a second. I want to let you know it's going to be hard for some of you to hear. I think that we need to hear the words, if you haven't heard them yet, to have an informed conversation about this. But it's disgusting stuff. The organizers of Canmore Pride, if you're listening from elsewhere in Canada, just in case you didn't know, Canmore is just an absolute crown jewel of the Canadian Rockies, a beautiful community about 45 minutes outside of Calgary, just outside of Banff. And organizers of the Pride Festival presumably sent out a whole bunch of emails soliciting support for the Pride Festival from local businesses. Well, this guy responded. And he didn't just say thanks, but no thanks. Or he didn't say we're unavailable. Or he didn't just not reply. Instead, he smeared his hate and his ignorance all over the place for everybody to see. Uh, it's hard to... Wrap your mind around what the thinking might have been behind it. The answer probably is there wasn't much thinking, but reaction has been swift. As a ton of businesses have said, we're no longer carrying Valbella. I would imagine a lot of other businesses that carry their products are probably calling emergency meetings today as they have to make it very, in my mind, easy decision to distance themselves from these products. And then there are the personal stories the people like me and like thousands of other people online that are saying we have bought these products before i have bought these products before and we won't again because it's something we just can't stand for dr christopher wells is going to join us in about in half a half hour from now to talk about this but we'll also be able uh to integrate some of your comments in you can leave them in the live chat if you're watching us do the show on youtube you know it's about 8 35 mountain time right now about 10 35 eastern or later if you catch the podcast on demand if you're watching on youtube later you can always send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com i suspect john that trash talk coming up a couple of days from now on friday may have some messages yeah aimed Maybe at this guy and maybe at the bigger picture of uh, some of the comments, uh, some of the, uh, you know, the hate that continues to exist. This I was talking to Dr. Wells yesterday in the lead up to today's interview. We were corresponded just a little bit. And, and he said to me, he said, this reiterates why pride is so important. 
We'll get his take on that. Plus, yesterday, if you caught the show, you know that journalist Danny Paradis joined us live from Commonwealth Stadium. It's where thousands were gathering for a mass, an outdoor mass. Uh, the Pope, of course, was in Edmonton. This is part of his Canadian visit to apologize for the Catholic Church's role, involvement in Canada's residential schools. Aaron Paquette is an Edmonton city councilor. He's actually deputy mayor right now during the Pope's visit. He's also an artist and a proud Indigenous man. He was there to witness the apology in Masquachis, as well as the Mass yesterday, and he's going to share his thoughts with us today. We're looking forward to that. Canada's former Prime Minister, Stephen Harper, Canada's most recent Conservative Prime Minister, is on the record now, officially endorsing a candidate for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. We'll get to that story, plus other stuff that's catching our attention. And we're going to take a break. We're going to take a deep breath and head out to the mountains. Part of my Jasper memories. It's a tradition every ah. Wednesday here on the show. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm excited because we're doing something that's, that maybe doesn't exactly uh, align with where the seasons are at right now. But anytime I have a chance to show you firsthand point of view snowboarding footage from Marmot Basin, we're going to mm-hmm. do it. So we're going to get into the snow today at the end of July. Love it. The show happens because of the support of amazing sponsors like Grand Dog essentials quality raw food i often tell you that there's no bigger endorsement we could give you than to tell you who's feeding our family members and when it comes to moses our boxer monroe our lab it's grand dog essentials now you can shop now on their website granddog.ca i really recommend you spend some time on their blog that's where they have articles posted like maybe why some of their clients their customers have moved on from kibble how did they know it was time to go raw What about camping with your raw-fed dog? What about other animals that might also be interested in getting into that food? They've got some great tips for those getting out into the backcountry, those enjoying the great outdoors. It's a family-owned business we're proud to partner with. You can order your Grand Dog Essentials quality raw food right now. The promo code REALTALK gets you 10% off your first-time order. And if you happen to live in Calgary, Edmonton, or Central Alberta, they'll deliver it weekly right to your door. Our friends at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge want to remind you that they've got some great shopping tools on their websites. They know that buying a new vehicle can be a daunting experience, especially if it's been a while. Their sales team wants to make it as easy and painless as possible. So you can check out the how-to videos, financing, check out their build and price option. In other words, you want to do a total custom delivered vehicle that'll fit your family perfectly. You'll find them online or in person at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. And Athabasca University wants to remind you that just because we're in the middle of summer, just because most of us think of going back to school in the fall, right now could be a perfect time for you to register at AU. Well, why is that? It's because they're not struck you know that it's set in stone. They're not locked into concrete with any sort of scheduling. You learn at your pace. You learn on your schedule. You need to take a week or two or three away for family vacations. Maybe it's a patio day and you don't feel like spending eight hours poring over your textbooks or doing research online. Athabasca University is a perfect fit for the world-class accredited online programs and courses that suit your schedule and suit your lifestyle you can learn more about athabasca university online at athabascau.ca 
Well, it's certainly, and, and this news cycle this week has has been quite unusual with regards to it being in the middle of the summer. If you subscribe to our new show, Seriously, with Sapria and Ryan, the podcast just dropped about a half an hour ago, we talk about it. We talk about how in the middle to, to, to late stages of July, it's quite unusual to have competition for a leading story on national newscasts. You have a real culture problem facing Hockey Canada right now. We have some great and powerful emails from you on that. There's leadership races happening with political parties, federal and provincial. We've got committee hearings happening right now with a bunch of stuff, including that big Rogers outage that impacted millions of Canadians. And of course, the Pope is in Canada as well. Aaron Paquette is a two-term city councillor representing the Northeast uh, Ward Dene in the city of Edmonton. He's the first First Nations and Métis City Councilor in Edmonton's history. He was appointed Deputy Mayor for the period of the Pope's visit to Canada. He's also an award-winning author and artist and a loud and proud voice for the people of Northeast Edmonton. If you happen to be watching us on YouTube, the background might be one of the best we've seen in a while. Councilor, welcome to the show. Are you in front of, is that is that one of your pieces you're sitting in front of right now? Yeah. Would you? T- it's it's absolutely stunning. Most you want people me to get out of the way. Well, <laughs> I've, I've heard that before. <laughs> Most people will will uh, will hear this on the podcast. But for those, that it might drive some people to YouTube to check it out. Is that a raven behind you? Would you tell us about what we're seeing? Yeah, it's a it's a image of uh, the story of how the raven stole the sun and the moon, which is uh, a trickster story. And uh, the idea behind that is that um, we don't know the end of all things. We don't know if something is going to be uh, good or bad or both. And that uh, everything that we experience is a journey and we have to take it in that way. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, the, the history of storytelling, the, the oral history, the visual arts has, has been a huge part. I know of can, can I just say you were on my radar many years ago as an artist first, as a politician later in life. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about right out of the gates here. You were there in Masquachis. You were there. My understanding is that you were at the Mass yesterday, and, and we'll talk about that. But if people check out the uh, Edmonton Arts Council website, and this isn't just a, a municipal story. This isn't just a regional story. This is a story of interest to people across the country. They'll be able to see your artist's journey, you and Sylvie Nadeau and, and the so-called Grandin murals, your history and your involvement as an artist specifically relating to the imagery and the stories and the history of residential schools goes back a long time. Would you tell us about it? Yeah, I mean, with the with the work that you referenced, the idea was that uh, in the 80s, a, a work was commissioned that showed uh, sort of the, the hero story of Vital Grand and, and of the Catholic Church here in this region. Um, and a lot of people took exception to that because it, it seemed to, in their minds, glorify residential school, uh, forced adoptions, breaking up families, Indigenous families. And uh, so um, I was asked to create a counter mural. And I didn't like that term. I didn't like counter mural. So what I did is I created, uh, in my mind, a conversation uh, that uh, um, if we had... Uh, had an interpretation sort of set up down there would have explained it but instead uh that never happened so the original painting eventually uh got removed it's going to find a home somewhere Hmm. but it won't be in that in that station because it is so triggering for people who who uh, get off at the station and, and are confronted 
with that, especially folks who have experienced it. Yeah. Worth and mentioning so, that the station was renamed as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so that ties directly into this visit where, again, uh, you've got the Pope coming to Canada, an historic visit, landing in Edmonton, never landing in Edmonton before. Hmm. Uh, and uh, it's usually Ottawa that's the gateway for, for dignitaries. And uh, coming to issue an apology. Now, some people will uh, accept the apology, some people won't, but a lot of people have been triggered and re-traumatized. And uh, so as the Pope leaves Edmonton and moves on to uh, um, uh, the rest of his journey, we have to start asking ourselves, what's the aftermath? Because we have to, this didn't happen just to a people, it happened to a people, but it happened to individuals, individual children who spent their life as young as young children in pain and then their adult lives in pain who were abused uh physically emotionally and sexually and so these are individual experiences and so the reaction is going to be individual there are things that are will be common across the board but i think that what we have to do is respect everyone's journey through this can you uh, put into words with us where your head and your heart, where your spirit was as, as you made your way down to, to Masquachese, as you gathered with uh, survivors, intergenerational survivors, indigenous leaders, chiefs, grand chiefs, the governor general, the prime minister, the mayor of Edmonton. I mean, many dignitaries. Uh, I mean, obviously, millions of Canadians watched live. Uh, some of the, the the powerful things that happened uh, we're seeing right now for those on YouTube the the red sash that that made its way through the visual of that just seared its place into most people's experience. I think the names of more than four thousand children that either died or never returned home whereabouts unknown uh, suspected but not known. I mean, how did you prepare yourself personally to attend? Yeah, well, I am, uh, along with my wife, we're the first generations in our families for, I think, five generations where we weren't taken from the home as children. Um, and so that means our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents all experienced these things. And uh, so we carry that generational trauma. Our children, despite our best efforts, will carry some of that generational trauma. And so that's not just us. That is across the board. And there are still indigenous people who are being taken from their homes and residential schools stopped Ryan, but over half the children in care in Canada are indigenous, despite making up only a small percentage of the population. The math doesn't add up. It's ongoing. So what, I, what did I do to prepare for this is uh, uh, I prayed, I smudged, I sat in silence, I talked to my family. And um, I will tell you uh, that being there had an emotional impact on me a spiritual impact, a physical impact, and a mental impact. I was exhausted after the first day. Uh, and then because I've, uh, I've been uh, declared deputy mayor during this visit, mm -hmm. um, of course, I went to every other event. Um, it's, it's really fascinating because there was an apology, but it wasn't an apology for the church. It was an apology for individual actors within the church. And that's a very fine distinction but a distinction that people noticed uh, nonetheless. And I can understand why. Um, I, you know, I gave it some thought. And maybe a lot of people won't think about this, but the church has to present itself as 
infallible because it represents uh, the body of Christ on earth, right? And so if the church admits fallibility, um, that goes against their doctrine. So you have to, um, if, if you're the Pope, not claim it's the church's responsibility, but, the, but uh, people who are imperfect. Yeah, uh, Counselor, do you also do you also think maybe that, and I, I don't want to get too into this because I don't want to take the attention away from where I think it needs to be, but I also wonder, I suspect that Vatican lawyers probably had a few runs through the apology, and they're, they're, conspicuously absent was any reference to sexual assault, uh, sexual abuse. Of course, abuse. I can't say for sure. None of us can assume. say anything on the uh, record. Just on, but... a, just on a city councilor level here in Edmonton, <laughs> Alberta, we definitely have lawyers vetting uh, very serious things that we have to talk about. So, of course, I think that that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, and and I think yeah. that that's something that was a that was an observation that was made by many survivors that were in attendance, and I think that it's something that demands to be noticed and demands to be discussed. You know what? I really I, I appreciate the word. Uh, you're a person. You're a contemplative person. We've spoken many times, and I know you choose your words carefully. And you didn't talk about the next steps. You talked about yeah. the aftermath of the Pope's visit. That's a very powerful word. That's a, that's a different yeah. angle on it. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I look. I can't speak for anyone, but I think that the Pope was sort of alluding to that as well. That uh, there are things that now have to be done. So. Of course, on a city level, um, the city is already committed to fulfilling the TRC calls to action as far as we can as a municipality. Um, what we need is commitment from the provincial and federal governments. You know, what's really ironic, Ryan, and I'll speak freely, this is real talk, right? Mm -hmm. For security reasons around Sacred Heart Church in Edmonton's inner city here, they cleared this, the area. And what I mean by that is uh, no one was allowed around there, especially people who are there every day because it's their home or the place where their friends are. And, and we're talking about homeless people, people suffering mental health and addictions. And the majority of those folks happen to be Indigenous because that is the aftermath of residential schools and breaking up families and communities. And so everyone who is coming through there who is a dignitary did not see that did not see the living reality of the impacts of residential school and forced adoptions. I think that was a mistake, personally. I understand for security reasons, you know, no one was around in the area, but boy, if you're talking about symbolism, there it is right there. So will we see concrete uh, steps as we move forward or are we going to clear the area mm -hmm. out of sight, out of mind, mm -hmm. you know? It's heartbreaking because I know that a lot of your listeners uh, and viewers will say, well, why isn't the city taking care of these folks who are suffering? If we could, we would, but we don't have the authority or the budget. This is squarely within the authority and budgets of the provincial government and the federal government. And yet we are the ones who are stepping up the most on a municipal level, despite not even having the tools. We can't provide healthcare because we're not a healthcare provider at the city. We can't provide addiction support. We can't provide mental health support. We can advocate for it. We can ask for it. And that's what we've been doing. But if we're serious about reconciliation, we need all hands on deck. The people you see in the streets, you say, oh, they don't even want my help, are kids who got help from institutions as children, and it destroyed them. Hmm. How did your experience at Mass 
yesterday contribute to the overall feelings and thoughts that you're obviously experiencing at a very deep level? What, how, how did that contribute to, to sort of your, your overall perspective that you're sharing with us today? Well, you know, it's important to, to know that a lot of people were very, very happy to see the Pope here. Um, you know, even in my own Métis community, which is strongly Catholic, um, people were overjoyed that the Pope was here. But they also had the emotional reaction of the impact it had on their family and on their family's history here in Canada. So, you know, it, it's such a big mix of emotion. But to, to look around the, uh, the Commonwealth Stadium and to see all of those people hanging on every word, there was sort of a desire or a hope that the Pope would be able to educate a little bit more on the impacts that uh, individuals within the Catholic Church have had on Indigenous communities and what that means going forward in order to educate his flock. That didn't happen. So that's up to us. That's up to you. I mean, you're doing it right now. So we're taking on that role. But boy, what an opportunity that would have been. And maybe he'll take that opportunity going forward, along with renouncing the papal bull that led to the doctrine of discovery, which is still used as a legal justification for all of the things that happened. I, uh, one of the things as, as a non-indigenous person that I, you know, as I've been reflecting on this is, is, is a sincere hope um, and confidence, quite frankly, that some of the language that the Pope invoked um, while, while many people may feel, and, and that is absolutely their right to feel, that the apology didn't hit the points they wanted it to hit, or it was insufficient or incomplete, that there was enough of a condemnation, of a clear condemnation of the theory of residential schools, the administration of residential schools, the abuse at residential schools, that it can address and stop that assertion that continued to flare up over the years from people that would argue that many good things or many good people or not all priests and nuns or you know what I mean the apologists for it and we see them in prominent positions I mean the 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 Chris Champion Dorchester Review the guy that's tapped on the shoulder to rewrite Alberta's curriculum is one of the loudest voices suggesting that residential schools did very little or no harm in many circumstances. And I hope, as a non-Indigenous person, that the Pope's condemnation of them in his apology at Masquachis uh, will do something to at least stop that narrative so that the collective conversation, the national conversation, can take a big step forward. Are you well, confident I, that that'll happen? As a cynic, no. As someone who dedicates their life to public service every single day, I have to have hope, and I do. Sure. So I'm going to say it's possible. You know, I was sitting there, and you mentioned Chris Champion helped write the uh, uh, the curriculum uh, or the proposed curriculum for the Alberta government. And, you know, I was sitting a few seats away from uh, our premier, and I know he's a devout Catholic, and I was watching him a little bit, wondering, is this message getting through? Do we understand that the Pope came to, to give an apology for something that actually did happen um, and did have the impacts that, that everyone says and not the revised uh, history that uh, that curriculum is trying to push? 
Is there anything that I haven't asked you about? If you're like me and probably millions of other people, this is probably a fluid thought exercise, right? It's sort of like an evolution of, uh, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I'm just continuing to reflect on this. And I think the majority of people are as the Pope leaves Edmonton. We, we can see right now, if you're listening live, you know, the plane is on the tarmac and, and he's on his way to his next stop. And now people will be reflecting on the visit as opposed to participating in the visit. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you want to put into the public discussion right now by way yeah. of this show? Okay, let's do this. You know, this is just the beginning. A lot of people are finding closure, but this is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and you can say, well, what's in 2008, the beginning, when uh, Harper issued his apology? Tell me what has substantially happened regarding reconciliation since then. Mm -hmm. Not a heck of a lot. This is just the beginning. And it's up to your listeners. It's up to your viewers. It's up to the general public to demand these things. Because hot tip. Politicians do what the people like loudly ask them to do. If they don't, they get turfed. They get thrown out. So be vocal, be loud, demand change, and understand the history. Residential schools, forced adoptions were designed to destroy a people, cultural genocide, and even physical genocide. That was the point. And it wasn't just the Catholic Church. It was our own government. And what a lot of people don't understand is uh, that the same spirit that led to those horrific abuses also led to Indigenous people not being able to participate in the market in Canada for generations. Like an intentional move, Ryan, to create generational poverty and dependence. And you got a lot of people you know, who say very ignorant things because they don't know the history and it's not their fault because it was never taught. Hmm. Learn the history. Talk about it. Talk about the fact that reservations were moved and entire people were moved away from cities so that people in cities didn't have to interact with them and to economically isolate people so that horrible things could be done to them. We have to turn the page. None of us were responsible for what happened, Ryan. But all of us have an incredible opportunity to decide what we do next. If there's a book about the history of Canada, we get to write the next chapters. What are we going to write? Are we going to be proud of it? And one last thought. These things happen because people dehumanize others. We see this happening and being played out by leaders calling their opponents deranged or making up lies in order to get power when their job should be one of service and of enlightening rather than casting shadows over people's hearts and minds. That move, that kind of idea that someone else in your neighborhood could be less than human leads to atrocity. And so unless we make a commitment that we are going to see each other as human beings, as worthy of love and respect, then what happened to the kids in residential school will happen again somewhere to someone's child. And I don't want it to be anyone's child. I don't want it to be your child. I don't want it to be my child. So until all children are safe, no child is safe. And that begins with adults acting 
like adults in a spirit of cooperation, love, and respect. I've always had a ton of respect for you. You know that. And I sure appreciate the spirit of your comments and and your willingness to get personal and talk to us about your experience over the past number of days and well before that. Aaron Paquette, counselor for the city of Edmonton, obviously a celebrated artist. Uh, Thanks for this. Hey, thanks for having the conversation. Yeah, you bet. You can let us know what you think. How is this resonating with you? Talk at ryanjesperson.com. I know this stuff is heavy. It's supposed to be. It needs to be. And I know that many of you are reflecting on that because you're letting us know that. We get, we get some emails from people to talk at ryanjesperson.com that'll come in and just say, this is not to be read on the air. This isn't a comment for public consumption. I just wanted to let you know that that interview hit me square between the eyes. That's what a guy said yesterday. That interview hit me square between the eyes. And we're grateful for it. We have the same experience here participating in them. Uh, talking about real stuff and real life. And in this circumstance, real reconciliation. Now, the counselor mentioned uh, former Prime Minister Stephen Harper. We're going to talk about him. We'll turn the page, take a look at another national news item in just a moment. And then Dr. Christopher Wells to talk about this Valbella gourmet food disaster. Uh, that's easily one of the top stories across the country right now. Really? I mean, we heard from a real talker from Ontario that had heard about it last night. This just developed yesterday evening. We were at the carnival. We were at the fair. My phone just As a family at K-Days. My phone went nuts. It started going nuts. I mean, this is a really interesting case study. That's coming up in just a second. These conversations happen because of sponsors that also believe in real talk. And that includes the team at Kubi Renewable Energy. If you check out kubienergy.ca today, you can get your free quote. If you've been thinking about putting solar up, whether it's on your residence, maybe it's on your barn, maybe it's your industrial building, whatever it is, Kubi's got it. Lots of experience evidence of the cleanest installs you've ever seen and of course their team is all dialed in on the paperwork stuff so for example if you're looking at putting solar on your house and you've heard about this forty thousand dollar interest-free loan from the feds you don't have to do the digging you don't have to fill out the forms kubi will do it for you plus if you're an electrician or maybe an apprentice that's looking for an opportunity to join a dynamic team kubi is virtually always hiring you can learn more at kubienergy.ca slash careers same goes with the team at apex automation they're putting out a call to canada's most talented engineers if the idea of providing intuitive fully autonomous solutions to industry appeals to you if you like the idea of personal and professional growth if you're eager to be part of a team that supports you as a human being and as a professional, consider Apex Automation. You can check out the careers link on their website and check out some of the projects that they're working on at apexautomation.ca. I love making mentions like this with Kubi and Apex. These are innovative companies. I did say love making. <laughs> Thanks, John. Nicely done. Happy are you day. Beavis or Butthead today? <laughs> but these are the groups. I mean, this is optimism. This is this is these are growing industries and they're looking it. for talented professionals. We're really proud to partner with these companies. That includes the team at Park Power as well, your friendly local utilities provider. Uh, they're looking out for you. They're covering your back. If you haven't heard, uh, there's this electricity rebate that's going on right now. If you live in the province of Alberta where we do this electricity rebate program that people are talking about, there's some controversy around it. 
who's qualifying, who's not, who's getting the rebate, who's not receiving the rebate. But guess what? There's another storyline that's being under-discussed, and that's that scam artists are at play. Park Power has got your back. You can check out their blog post at the bottom of their page, parkpower.ca, to learn how you can protect yourself from being scammed. And don't forget, you can check rates, compare what you're paying now to what you could be paying with Park Power at parkpower.ca. The promo code 2022-REALTALK knocks $70 off your very first bill. Well, it was maybe only a matter of time until the former Prime Minister of Canada chimed in on the Conservative Party of Canada's leadership race, although not a guarantee, right? Oftentimes, former leaders of parties will say, I'm not getting involved in this one. I'm going to let it play out. I'm not going to endorse a candidate. Well, the Prime Minister, Stephen Harper, of course, the most recent Conservative Prime Minister, has gone on the record, and I'm sure that his selection is not going to surprise anybody. You knew it wasn't going to be Jean Charest, but Stephen Harper making it official by way of video with some pretty fancy elevator music behind it. Check it out. In this particular race, there's been a lot of speculation about whom I support or do not support and why. So it may be useful for my fellow party members to hear my views straight from me. It's a strong field, but one candidate has garnered disproportionate attention. Pierre Poilievre was a strong minister in my government. In the past several years, he's been our party's most vocal and effective critic of the Trudeau Liberals. He's been talking about the issues, especially the economic issues, that matter. Slow growth, debt, inflation, lack of job and housing opportunities, and the need to fix the institutions that are failing Canadian families. He's proposing answers rooted in sound conservative ideas, but ones adapted for today's realities. That's why he has the strong support of our caucus and our existing membership, and why he is bringing the most new members and a new generation into our party. The music in the background. Although music does pump up any segment. It does. Yeah, nice music bed is going to grab people's attention. Um, I don't think that this is a big surprise. <laughs> Tony on the live chat says, well, uh, you know, Harper's last two endorsements didn't fare too well. Andrew Shear, Jason Kenny, epic failures. I mean, Kenny did unite the two parties and become premier. He did. I'm not saying that he was a great premier, but with regards to the, how you gauge success, getting elected would be number one. So, but yeah, the legacy, probably nothing to write home about. Tony says, go ahead and endorse Pierre and we can watch him fail yet again. I'm curious to see how this is all going to play out. Now, we really dug into it today. Here's another plug for Seriously, our new show, Supri and I. It comes out every Wednesday. It's already out this Wednesday's edition. That's because John and I wake up at five o'clock on Wednesdays and we get this thing sent out but we really take this on we really examine the impact of Stephen Harper's endorsement of Pierre Poliev and the question that Sapria asked which is a good one is with so many people talking about whether or not the conservatives are divided in Canada is there any actual evidence to that effect she actually makes the argument that if you think about it that Canada's conservatives are quite united if you look at the numbers, they're united in their disdain for Jean Charest. The guy's getting booed at leadership debates, right? They're united in their dismissal of Patrick Brown. At least they appear to be. That story didn't really flare up like I think Mr. Brown's camp hoped it would. If you missed my conversation with him, you can check it out in our archives. It appears as though the conservatives are prepared. I mean, let's forego 
the final month of this leadership. And let's just name Pierre leader so we can get on with it and start talking about the federal parties. Let's start talking about what the next federal election looks like. So you can download seriously and check it out. I'm also curious to know what you think the biggest impact of Stephen Harper's endorsement is going to be. It feels to me, and I describe this in seriously, like watching Usain Bolt run for Jamaica back in the day where before the race was even run, everybody knew that unless he fell and sprained his ankle, he was going to be the winner. And the only real question was whether or not he was going to break his world record from before when he broke it the previous time uh, from his world record from before. You remember that era in men's 100 meters and men's 200 meters with Usain Bolt? It's kind of what it feels like right now. Now, someone's going to tweet that I'm comparing Usain Bolt to Pierre Polyev or Pierre Polyev to Usain Bolt, but this race appears to be a runaway. Jean Charest's not done, though. He's not dead yet. Have you seen this from his campaign? Uh, They want to put a a jovial face on him. They're working hard to capitalize on his likability factor. And so they go to the late night talk show well and draw out some mean tweets. Okay, so we're doing mean tweets and uh, I'm going to subject myself to this and I'm going to start with this. I woke up this morning looking like Jean Charest, circa 1989. My hair is officially out of control. Well, welcome to the world of Jean Charest. I wake up and I'm 89, 99, 209, 29. Every morning, the hair is out of control. Good luck. Uh, Here's the next one. Charest has the personality of a stick. You know what? I have a very nice personality. The only people who I stuck it to, by the way, are separatists, so nothing wrong with that. And the next mean tweet, as prime minister, I will make cottage cheese pierogies available at all McDonald's restaurants in our country. See, we can all pretend for a while. Hey, it's a deal. You think a country that has uh, cottage cheese pierogies can be unhappy? No, sir. (laughs) Next mean tweet. You know, Jean Charest, that evil right-wing quasi-fascist former liberal premier of Quebec? That guy, Jesus. Okay, so we know who you're voting for. Um, you should retire already. No one wants you as leader of a conga line, never mind a country. <laughs> you, you get full points for, uh, for your humor. Intelligence, that's another story. Is it going to work? I don't know. <laughs> it made us smile. It was funny. It was funny. Hmm. It was a decent effort. But I don't think it's the type of thing that's going to resonate and demonstrably change the what seems to be inevitable results of this leadership race. Uh, Nick chiming in to say, hey, I like cottage cheese pierogies. And who doesn't, right? Donna says, I actually kind of get a kick out of the guy. Yeah, but is that what's going to drive someone like Donna to buy a membership, to vote for Jean Charest in the leadership, and to vote for him again the next federal election? I don't know. Jill says Charest is, of course, more popular across the country. If Pierre truly was the superior candidate and had this in the bag, the CPC wouldn't be working so hard to help him win. First Patrick Brown goes, now this. It's an interesting point. We're going to get to a story that uh, twisted my stomach up last night, and I suspect that our next guest will feel the same way. We're going to talk about Valbella Gourmet Foods. We're going to talk about Hockey Canada. We're going to talk about monkeypox and whatever else when our good friend Dr. Christopher Wells joins us in just a second. These conversations are made possible by sponsors like Local Environmental Services. 
It was awesome. I mentioned we were at the carnival last night at the fair. Yeah. I saw some people repping a couple local t-shirts with oh. their new brand. Yeah, they were far enough away that I wasn't able to catch up with them. I wanted to pick their brains. I don't know if they were staff members or, or what it was, but mm. this company is all about plugging itself into community, right? In the communities that they live in and work in, they deliver better service, better prices, more support for local causes. They're so much more than just garbage. You can get a quote today. You can learn more about what a business relationship with them looks like, whether you need water hauling, recycling, landfill, temporary or more permanent bins, vacuum truck, fencing, you name it. Local Environmentals got you covered. And if you need to get something off your chest again, they proudly present Trash Talk here on Real Talk. Every Friday, you can send us an email uh, via our website at ryanjesperson.com. Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping want to remind you that no matter what your landscape woe is, they've got the solution. As a matter of fact, John, they'll have you saying, whoa, that's such a great job (laughs) once they finish with your excavation or perhaps your water installation. Maybe you want to get one of those features with like the koi ponds that everybody buzzes about, an outdoor kitchen with a forno pizza oven, whatever you're dreaming of, they can bring that outdoor space to life like they have done as a proud family-owned business for more than two decades. You can check out Eden Landscaping. Get in touch with them. Check out their portfolio online at landscapeedmonton.ca. And what would be a Real Talk episode without a shout-out to the great teams at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park? This week, I've been celebrating, personally, the Buster Bar. I haven't been able to help myself. As a matter of fact, I've crushed a couple of them. The layer after layer of chocolatey fudge peanuts, the DQ soft serve dipped in luscious chocolatey coating. You can, of course, find Buster Bars individually or in convenient boxes of six at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, the Mayo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. Dr. Christopher Wells, a good friend of the show and a personal friend of mine, is the Canada Research Chair for the Public Understanding of Sexual and Gender Minority Youth at McEwen University in our home city of Edmonton. He's the editor for the Journal of LGBT Youth, and he's the co-founder of Pride Tape, an incredible, uh, I think that it started as a bit of an experiment, Dr. Wells, that really got people in the hockey community talking about equity and inclusion. It's been one of the most successful brand exercises that I've ever seen. It's won awards around the world. It's a real pleasure to welcome you to Real Talk. Thanks for making time for us this morning. Good morning. Uh, Perfect day for uh, a dilly bar, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, Hey, I wanted to, I haven't actually read, uh, you and I were, I want to note, uh, you and I were going to be talking on the show before this whole Valbella story broke last night. You were already scheduled. You were already going to be talking to me. Um, I'm grateful that you're here to provide your perspective. I've not yet read this email uh, because I, I wanted to brace the audience for it. I wanted to have some context behind it, and, and but most importantly, I wanted people to know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, so before we get into this, is, is there anything that you want to say? Is there anything that you think is important to consider before we get to these words that have seared themselves into the minds of probably hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that have seen it by now? Um, I, I think uh, just people to be prepared for what they're going to, to hear and uh, um uh, put yourself in the position of uh, someone who is uh, a member of the trans or the non-binary uh, community and, and what it means to them to know that uh, these kinds of, uh, you know, attitudes are in our community. So 
this is the backstory. Uh, Canmore Pride organizers, presumably approaching many different businesses in their neck of the woods in Canmore and the surrounding mountain towns, and uh, they're organizing the Pride Festival that's well attended, that's celebratory, that is inherently positive and inclusive. And they reach out to the company Valbella Gourmet Foods, which a lot of people know. Uh, Valbella is represented in grocery stores. It's represented in restaurants. I personally have bought Valbella sausages and Smokies many times. They reach out to Valbella Gourmet Foods, presumably asking for some sort of involvement or some sort of donation, and they get this letter back from Jeff Von Rotz, whose email signature says he's the owner. His family has since clarified that while he was the company's president up until last night, he never was an owner. If that matters, I don't know. And his email reads, good morning. Uh, He says, I would address you by name, but I don't know it as you simply signed with a K, kind of a hostile opener. He says, I'm sorry to say, but you could not pay me to sponsor anything to do with child grooming trannies. Please keep these sick people away from the children of this community. You should be disgusted with yourselves. He goes on to say, I'm sure there's some woke organization mentally ill enough to help you with your event, but it isn't Valbella's. Thanks. Jeff. Now, this was put on my radar by food writer, uh, author Julie Van Rosendahl, who confirmed with Canmore Pride organizers that it was, in fact, legit. And once she put it out there, it spread like wildfire. Now, it twists my stomach. What does it do to you, Chris? Um, well, you know, a couple things. Uh, it's it's disheartening. It's demoralizing, and you know, I think uh, you know, rightly so. We saw the the, the backlash from the community. Um, who um, I think, if there's a positive out of this story, you know, that that's it. Um, uh, there, there's so much going on in this kind of email about the, these these harmful stereotypes that somehow trans uh, individuals are are predators or or monsters who are coming after. You know, children, those of us in the LGBT community, you know, um, I think we're we've heard this uh, sort of trope for decades upon decades that, you know, all the way back to Anita Bryant coming on her Save Our Children crusade uh, that came to Edmonton and Calgary in the 19 uh, late 1970s uh, was all based in uh, the threat that the LGBTQ uh, community poses to children and poses to our society. And you know, the slogan they used is because they can't re- reproduce, they need to recruit. And, um, you know, it, it's incredibly harmful because these kind of stereotypes uh, lead to a, a process of dehumanization that le- leads to bi- violence, which is really why I think that the RCMP should be involved in a situation like this and investigating this as a as a hate incident. It, it might not meet the threshold of a hate crime, but I, I think it's important that they go and they talk to this individual and talk to this company and say, you know, that um, this kind of language is, um, you know, problematic because it can lead to more serious consequences of violence. Mm. You said something to me yesterday when we were talking and, and, and uh, I mean, it's just it seems like such an obvious statement, but it's so important to amplify it publicly. You said a story like this reiterates the importance of pride. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Our work is not done. And uh, this just shows the kind of, uh, you know, education that still needs to happen, why pride is important, why people are are rallying around uh, Canmore pride and, and a lot of credit to them for turning, you know, something so negative and disheartening into something, you know, positive for that that community. And I think, you know, the people at Vabella are learning an important lesson too. They're They're losing sponsors, they're losing customers at a 
at a, a really rapid kind of rate. And I think they knew need to do a lot more than just simply say, uh, you know, that they're sorry and that this person uh, is no longer working for the organization, but, you know, need to make a commitment to repair trust and to work alongside the LGBT community. And, and really, you know, it's pretty clear from, from this kind of statement that there's a culture problem within that organization. Yeah, to say the least. Uh, we're talking about culture a lot these days, specifically in the context of hockey and hockey culture. I think people know by now, if they're a regular listener to this show, if they pay attention to the news cycle whatsoever, they know that there are horrific allegations of sexual assault, of rape, uh, facing uh, unnamed to this point members of World Junior national teams, men's under 20 national teams, specifically from 2003 and 2018. I think that the understanding is that the problem in hockey and maybe in sport, uh, we talk about toxic masculinity, we talk about rape culture, is much bigger than just the sport of hockey, but quite rightfully and fairly, people are talking about hockey right now. You have specific experience, a ton of it, in working to change and impact and improve the culture of hockey through your pride tape venture and other work that you've done. How are you wrapping your mind around what you're seeing right now? Statements from Canada's top women players, a call for the resignation of hockey Canada's new CEO. Where's your head at with it all? Yeah, I, I think these are both examples of, uh, you know, culture problems within organizations and, uh, you know, often the lack of diversity that exists within those leadership uh, circles. First to identify that, you know, these are problems when they, they present themselves and that, uh, you know, to, to have the courage of leadership to enact, you know, change. And a big part of that uh, change is having diverse people around the table. And I think that's why a lot of people, you know, we, we saw Sheldon Kennedy yesterday come out and say, um, we've lost confidence in the leadership of Hockey Canada and the board. Um, and they all need to either resign or be removed. And we need to start over. We need women in those positions of leadership around the table. We need experts who understand, you know, sexualized violence and how it operates and how it begins with the kind of things we're talking about with this dehumanizing or inappropriate language where jokes become normalized and accepted part of the culture that then lead to the, these kind of horrific incidences and behaviors. Um, uh, you know, it, it is all connected and it's all part of a larger systemic pattern. And, you know, you, you can't change an organization overnight. We've tried, you know, subtle approaches through things like Pride Tape to, you know, show inclusiveness and to promote diversity. But as we always say with the Pride Tape project, just wrapping your stick with Pride Tape is only the first step. Mm. And it's probably the easiest step that you can take. But we still see people who, you know, even refuse to do that. You know, look at um, a, another example in sport of Australian rugby and you know, where they're they're having a uh, pride night and and a bunch of the players refuse to wear the jerseys. Really? And uh, yeah. And, you know, and, and we've seen this happen in the NHL where Pete players and others refuse to use pride tape. Uh, and, you know, at this point, you know, you leave it as a choice. We don't want to drag people along. But, um, you know, this is really where the leadership needs to come in and educate and talk about why this is important. And, you know, how diversity is a value for not only the team and, and the league, but you know, the sport and a larger part of our society. Um, I, I just, the name Luke Prokop jumped into my mind. Uh, obviously a, a highly touted prospect, a big strapping young defenseman for the Nashville Predators. And, and as far as I can tell, as far as I can remember, I think the first 
pro hockey player to, to come out loud and proud. Um, the impact, I saw an interview with him a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure if you saw it, Doc, but, but he's talking about how he says he, he's playing better hockey now since he came out. He says it had like a, he says it had a huge impact on like his mindset and, and, and just everything about him. He feels, I don't want to put words into his mouth. These weren't his words, but it almost seems like it, it sort of, it allowed him to, to, to release something, you know, that, that's allowed him to become a better hockey player. Uh, Michelle is watching right now. She says, yeah, 2003, 2018. She says, and probably every damn team in between, right? I think that it's it's widely understood and acknowledged that this is probably not a one-off or two-off type situation. But still, people are going to get defensive. We see it. I see it on social media. I see it in the comments. I see it in emails we've received. People saying they feel like it's not fair to paint a whole sport or to paint a whole community or to paint a whole country, for that matter, with, with one brush. People don't want to have the conversation about toxic culture or toxic masculinity. How do you propose that these conversations happen, whether they're around dinner tables or whether they're on buses, on road trips or in locker rooms? Uh, what would you suggest? Well, you know, it, perhaps it's no surprise that you know, people don't want to talk about this in, in, in hockey because, you know, hockey remains one of the most privileged sports um, that exist. And, uh, and just look at hockey and a lot of that is is white male cisgender privilege right and and when you're trying to challenge that people get very you know resistant because they feel that by letting other people in to the sport or the conversation that somehow right they're they're losing something they're they're losing their their power they're losing their advantage um right and we've seen this with the don cherries of the world and and others where you know hockey culture needs to change. We need to change the language that's used. We need to um, you know address uh, you know the violence in the sport and 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 the fact that you know people like Luke who have the, the courage to come out. Um, you know it's remarkable and he's leading change, but that can't all be on his own back, right? We have to come alongside and and the organizations have to come alongside because you know Luke is one person who's made it, right? And his journey is not even over; it's just beginning. Yeah, just starting. How many? How many other Luke Prokops never made it that far? Were were pushed out, tuned out, or dropped out of the game that they love because of the culture, uh, because they felt that you know they can never be themselves. And as we know it, for elite athletes, that ability of being yourself can mean all the difference from last place to first place, from you know uh, being off the podium to being on the podium. Luke has said that. Mark Tewksbury has said that in, in swimming. You know that's what got him. You know the Olympic medal was. He finally felt that a weight had been lifted off himself, right? Despite all the training and all the, you know, the the coaching, it was that authenticity that, you know, that finally, you know, you could just put all of your energy into your performance rather than trying to have to hide who you are in the locker room or, or elsewhere. You know, sometimes we talk about these competitive news cycles and there can be stories happening or things going on that are flying under the radar a little bit and, and, and not nobody's paying attention to them, but maybe it's not part of public discussion. And I'm going to acknowledge that I feel like I have limited bandwidth and I've not paid enough attention to what's going on with monkeypox. Uh, we're focusing on COVID and we're focusing on everything else, but it's a story that's becoming more and more relevant. But there's a specific angle uh, and maybe even more specifically pertaining to our home province of Alberta, but, but but federally speaking as well, around vaccination programs specifically for gay or bi men. Can you take us into this? Let us know what we need to know and what are you seeing in, in even, even your personal circles? You told me you have friends that are traveling out of province to get health care services. 
Yeah, you know, it's very concerning. We've been watching monkeypox for some time and and the initial outbreaks and we started to see clusters happening within the game ale and, and uh, you know, what we call the MSN uh, environment, men who have sex with men who maybe don't identify as, as gay or bisexual and and for, you know, all kinds of reasons of stigma and, and, and culture, etc., um, that, you know, this initially seemed to be clustered. And, and in fact, we're, that's where we're seeing the spread uh, is, you know, 99% of uh, the monkeypox is outside of Africa is, is within the gay male and bisexual and MSN community. This reminds me of the early days of, uh, you know, HIV and AIDS and, and the, the fact that people aren't talking about this that uh, you know, governments have been slow to respond and that includes our, our government here in Alberta. You know, for some time we've been asking when is a targeted vaccination program going to come for uh, you know, uh, the LGBTQ uh, community? And we see it, it's happened in Vancouver, it's happened in Ontario and Quebec. Um, do we need to wait for a massive outbreak before we see action? I think we need to be you know, proactive rather than, than reactive. And, and people are taking whatever measures they can to protect themselves. So, you know, as you mentioned, I know people who are Vancouver Pride is coming up uh, this August long weekend and who are flying out to Vancouver. And the first stop they're making is at the health clinic to get a vaccine because, you know, they want to protect themselves. They want to protect uh, the larger community and they can't get it in Alberta. And of course, these are very privileged people who have the means to be able to do that. But right now, you know, I couldn't walk into a pharmacy or a doctor's office and ask for the vaccine and even, you know, want to pay for the vaccine because our government is not making it available. So I hope within the next few days, we're, we're going to see a change here um, for that. Let's get those, uh, as we learn, trust the science, get those uh, vaccines in people's arms and uh, encourage people not only to protect themselves, but to protect uh, their communities. Yeah. I mean, you, you assume that wheels are in motion on, on issues impacting public health. But but like you've reiterated before, it's not unprecedented that a government displays some form of essentially indifference uh, when it comes to a, a health crisis that's emerging or that's clearly evident. Well, and we know the vaccines are here. The federal government has, uh, you know, issued over seventy thousand vaccines to provinces and territories. We don't, we don't even know how many of them are in Alberta, and uh, what's happening with those vaccines. How long do they last? Um, what's the distribution plan? Um, you know, th- this kind of slow response. You know, we saw it with COVID. We're we're seeing it with, you know, uh, monkeypox. Which, you know, l- let's take this seriously. It's it's not fatal, and it, and it's not as significant uh, as COVID. But uh, the World Health uh, Organization has said monkeypox is now at the level of an international public health emergency. So, you know, what's our response? This is why we have a minister of health. Um, and, you know, if the, the minister needs guidance, right, we're here and we're willing to work alongside the minister. And, you know, we need to make sure that people are not seeing this as a gay disease because, you know, uh, diseases don't um, know a sexual orientation or a gender identity. But uh, we need to make sure that there, there's education and we're, we're working alongside, uh, you know, these vulnerable communities. I know you're pretty excited about an event that's coming up in just over a week from now. Uh, Edmonton's Ice Districts, I saw making this announcement, Pride 365, the Battle of Alberta returning for the inaugural Pride Cup on August 6th. Uh, I love seeing former Oilers tendy Ben Scrivens there helping support it. That guy's hair is looking unbelievable right now. Uh, but uh, uh, but look at these smiles smeared across faces. People are pretty excited about it. 
I ask uh, Ben if he's angling for a, ro a role in uh, Star Wars reboot or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, as uh, a Jedi there with with the hair going on. You know, but, what was so uh, funny. He was he was supporting uh, not to derail our conversation, but just he, he was supporting this Alzheimer's Pro Am, this hockey tournament that I played in. I think back in February, or whenever it was, I don't remember. Maybe it was April. Who knows? And uh, and anyway, but you know when you 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 know you know someone, but you just can't place it. And it was the hair. He's got this long flowing hair. And I'm looking up there and I'm going, who is that guy? I know, I know that guy. And then someone leans over and says, that's Ben Scrivens. I went, oh my gosh, it's a good look on him. But how cool is it to see him supporting this? And, and, and how excited are you about this event? Yeah, you know, and, and this ties back to what we we're talking about, you know, hockey culture and how do you change culture, right? You work alongside communities, you host events like this. And so full credit to, you know, the Edmonton Oilers that are, Putting a lot of resources and 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 time and talent to make this happen to work, uh, you know, alongside uh, the LGBT community. Um, you know, we've got our our Pride Tape project, our our Center for Sexual and Gender Diversity at McEwen, and, it, and it's a showcase about growing the game of hockey. And you know, we're excited to have another Battle of Alberta. You know, we saw what the last one looked like after 31 years, and so we're we're bringing the the two LGBTQ uh, ice hockey teams together, the Edmonton Rage and the the Calgary Pioneers, and and we've got a ball hockey uh, tournament. We've got a brand new Pride Cup. We're excited to uh, unveil uh, at the event. There'll be entertainment. Um, you know, it's family focused. It's free. It's on the plaza. You know, uh, it's a great way to come out and and just show your support. You know, not only for the LGBT community, but for the sport of hockey, and um, you know, for uh, diversity and inclusion within our community. So we hope it'll just be a, a fun time, and and we hope that this will turn into an annual event because you know, as the event says, pride is something we need, and as from the examples we've talked about today, is something we need to be celebrating all year round. It just doesn't happen in the month of June or on a particular week or or a day, but it's something that, um, you know, we need to be uh, actively encouraging within all of our communities. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, you know, to, to bring this conversation kind of full circle and you, you see this email and, and again, like I was, we were, we were like walking or surrounded by like Ferris wheels and rides and cotton candy as I'm, as my phone is just going crazy. And so I'm like, what is this? And I read this and I just felt this like disgusting feeling, right? Like you just read this and you're like, what the fuck? And then, and then I, and then honestly, part of me, goes good like i tweeted about it. i said sunlight is the best disinfectant like good now people you know what like i'm glad i won't spend another dollar there i'm glad i mean i'm not glad for how the message is going to make people feel i'm not glad that it's evidence that these attitudes persist but i am glad that it gives us a reminder right it fuels our resolve uh, whether you're gay, straight, bi, otherwise, whoever you are, whomever you love, it reminds us that there's still work to be done. And I know it comes across as a little bit cliche, Chris, but it's true. And I think that this is evidence last night into today. Yeah, you know, exactly. The old adage is uh, we get the communities we're willing to build, right? And so what kind of community do we want to live in? And, you know, when, when situations like this come, whether they're, you know, we're dealing with the crisis in hockey, we're, we're dealing with emails and attitudes like this in our in our community where we're dealing with government indifference or denial, um, right? We have to hold people accountable. And we, then we have to roll up our sleeves and be willing to do the work, to bring forward the solutions, to be able to stand beside, you know, those organizations and individuals that truly want to change. And if you don't want to change, well, you know, then you got to be able to deal with the consequences. And, and a part of the challenge we're dealing with in this new social media age is, 
you know, there's so much misinformation and stereotypes that are gaining, you know, gaining traction. So we also have to speak out with, with truth, with evidence to help, you know, lead the way. Um, and, you know, we can't be afraid sometimes to step forward and say, you know, that's wrong and that's not acceptable. Yeah. Nothing but love for you, my man. It's nice to see your face again. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you, everyone. And uh, I, you should also uh, check out K-Days. It's coming up, right? They're hosting a Pride uh, Day, uh, uh, I think, on uh, on Friday. So oh, right you know, on. it's great to see more organizations stepping forward and saying, you know, it's important for us to celebrate this diversity in the community, and, and yeah. we're proud to do so. Yeah. Um, I do not recommend crushing a belly full of cotton candy and getting on the Gravitron immediately after. I'm still feeling that. But other than that... I do recommend checking out Katie's. We had a blast last night. You going to be there, obviously? I'm um, hoping to stop by. You yeah. Know, the great thing is there's so much going on. I'm excited for Folk Fest. Fringe is going to start soon. And yeah. this is the city we love, right? There's yeah. something to do every night, everywhere. And, uh, you know, the, the weather's good. Get out on a patio, bring your dog, and, you know, let's just enjoy our community. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Pleasure. We got an email from Heather to talk at ryanjesperson.com uh, about hockey canada and the subject line reads hockey canada and toxic masculinity she says real talk thanks for addressing the issue of toxic masculinity within canada's hockey culture as the single mother of a son who grew up playing hockey in small town alberta i often found it difficult to navigate the hockey world as the ingrained toxic masculinity seemed to rule and anybody who spoke out about it was quite frankly ostracized and while my son absolutely loved playing the sport i hated it as I knew every trip to the rink would result in some negative comment from a coach or other parent who felt it was okay to disparage anybody who didn't fit the so-called hockey mold. Coaches in our town were typically well-meaning, but untrained volunteers with very few leadership skills. And there were instances of verbal and emotional abuse toward the players. They were the norm, in fact. She says, I often questioned this approach. As a teacher, I knew that there were many other ways to lead and motivate youngsters. Heather says, after one incident of horrific verbal abuse toward my son by his coach, I took a stand on the issue and sent a formal complaint to Hockey Canada and our local board, which did intervene. And they actually suspended the coach for abusive behavior for a week. She says, upon his return, there was no change, perceivably or otherwise, in behavior from the coach, no further intervention from the hockey board, let alone Hockey Canada. And my son and myself actually became targets of the coach's anger. Thankfully, it was near the end of the season, but I had to pull my son from the team to ensure his mental well-being. And even after this behavior was flagged, the board, Hockey Canada, allowed this individual to return to coach in future years. And it seems to me like the end result is, is more important, maybe, like winning, than individual behaviors. And it seems to me, based on my personal experience, that Hockey Canada is okay with that. Heather says, I'm hopeful that by identifying this issue and talking about it, that culture starts to change and we can see much more positive experiences for everybody involved in hockey in Canada. Our young hockey players deserve better and parents shouldn't have to fight so hard to ensure that off-ice skills and behaviors are appropriate at every level. That from Heather. I appreciate that. Don't forget every email we get is considered for our email of the month. And we give away one of these official Real Talk Studio mugs to the author of what we believe to be one of the more or most impactful emails that we see every month. Every Wednesday, we have an opportunity to, to remind ourselves of the beauty and the wonder that exists in Canada's Rocky Mountains, specifically in Jasper National Park. 
It's My Jasper Memories, presented by our friends at Tourism Jasper. And today, though it may not be the exact sport you're thinking of at this time of year, I'm very excited to shine the spotlight on skiing and snowboarding. Well, why at the end of July, do you ask? Well, Marmot Basin, you know Marmot Basin, uh, one of the, the greatest North American destinations for those that love to shred. Whether you're one plank or two, whether you're young or old, I have no doubt you'll be excited to hear that Marmot Basin is now part of the Mountain Collective. What's that? Well, Mountain Collective destinations have been named the best winter destinations on the planet. These include ski spots like Jackson Hole in Wyoming, Chamonix in France, Niseko United in Japan, and now Marmot Basin in Jasper National Park. So when you buy a Mountain Collective Pass, it gives you two days of stellar skiing at each of the 24 dream destinations included in the Collective, plus 50% off lift tickets, all additional days, no blackout dates. Doesn't matter if it's high season, you're still getting 50% off. Now, if you're a Marmot Basin season pass holder, you can now get 50% off all other Mountain Collective destinations, also without any blackout dates. You can get your pass and start planning your next winter adventure. Never too early to start planning at SkiMarmot.com. I know it feels a little early to be thinking about skiing or snowboarding. If you're like me, you think about it all the time. But this is actually the best time to buy ski passes. So a big shout out to our friends at Marmot Basin and congratulations on becoming part of the Mountain Collective. Now, we invite you to send and post your photos, your videos of your Jasper experiences, your my Jasper memories. And that's exactly what Brian and Lori did just a couple of days ago. They write in to say, we just wanted to share with you our Jasper memories. They say it's actually an update to a positive reflection that you read for us back in November. Lori had just rung the bell. The minute I read this, John, I knew exactly what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. She had finished her cancer treatments. They said, well, that day was not the end of Lori's cancer journey, but it's a continuation of a long and slow recovery. She started with a nine-step program. That's the number of steps that takes you down to the basement in our house. At the beginning of this nine-step journey, she required a stop halfway through to catch her breath at the five-stair mark. That was eight months ago. They say, well, we're thrilled to let you know we celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary in Jasper just a short time ago. And, and part of that included the Jasper Sky Tram. Put us on top of Whistler Mountain, an experience on its own. But just the start, we met some wonderful people, shared stories, and learned that if the world was run by average, ordinary, caring, empathetic people, everything would be fine. Now, it's hard to explain, says Brian, how it feels to watch your soulmate inch her way up a mountain, trying to make it to the top, knowing the pain she's experiencing with every step. But I was thinking to myself that this is life, one step at a time. We didn't make it to the top that day, but we will. We plan on spending our 31st wedding anniversary on top of Whistler's Mountain. That's an amazing My Jasper memory from Brian and Lori. We thank you for sharing it with us. Use the hashtags MyJasper and RealTalkRJ on Twitter or Instagram, and your Jasper memory could be featured right here every Wednesday on Real Talk. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to check in with good friend Brandy Morin, who's been covering the Pope's journey across Canada. We want to offer you that comprehensive coverage in real terms. What does it mean to the people experiencing it firsthand? We expect that we're going to speak with advocate Sheldon Kennedy either tomorrow or Friday. And I know we've been waiting to check in with Canada's Minister of Sport. That's going to be Friday morning here on Real Talk. Make sure you mark your calendar and we'll see you between now and then. 
Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook Shivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Derlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is reported in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.